Welcome back to the Morning Kick podcast. This is a replay episode from the live YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn show produced by Excite Media. We encourage you if you're looking at digital marketing, website design, to contact us via excitemedia.com.au. Now let's revisit one of our earlier programs and join our guest. Well, good morning, Kicksters. Welcome back to this edition, Tuesday, here on The Morning Kick, where we're going to be talking about family business very shortly. I hope that you got your um, uh, grant application in for the adaption grants, especially in Queensland, and make sure that you have a look at Excite Media's blog. Uh, you'll be able to find out more information about grants coming from all over the country and more information. We'll try to keep that as updated as we can. Keep in mind that if you are looking to get your business moving along, always come along to excitemedia.com.au to look for local business and lead generation digital marketing. And when you do that, you'll be able to find a range of services. About half our team work on projects like design, website builds, landing pages. And then the other part of the team, well, they're working on bringing customers to your website. So we're looking at search engine optimization and paid traffic, like getting yourself into Google ads and getting people to come through to your website. Or maybe it's looking at lead generation through other activities as well. We'd love to talk to you about those opportunities. Well, this morning on The Morning Kick, we're going to be talking about family business. And I'm really excited that we're going to be able to have a chat very shortly with Suzanne Brangrove. And Suzanne started a business called Liquid Gold Consultants. We're going to give you all the details for this website, which will be a great asset for your resource if you're looking into anything to do with family businesses. Or maybe you've got friends that are talking at the barbecue and they're kind of wondering, how do I handle these situations when it comes to a family business and the dynamics that are involved? Well, this morning, Suzanne, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have somebody with your expertise on the show. And you're absolutely thank passionate you. about this subject. Do you want to give us a bit of background as to how Liquid Gold Consultants came about? So Liquid Gold Consultants was a um, combination of skills in the family business space. So as you said before, I've had a passion for working with family businesses. I do come from a family business myself. I'm a third generation, so I understand a lot about what it feels like to be on the inside of a family business and dealing with the patriarch, for example. Um, and what I found uh, combining in business with Michael Simony was that he also had a similar passion for family business, but a different skill set around finding the right people to assist family businesses when it comes to bringing that non-family talent into it. So so we combined to create fam um, Liquid Gold Consultants so for family businesses. Now, why is there a need for an organisation like yours? Um, surely running a business is running a business. What's different about family businesses? <laughs> family businesses are inherently a whole lot more complicated because of the dynamic the family brings. And one of the interesting things is that exactly what you said is that a lot of family businesses don't really see themselves as family businesses, but they're wondering why things get a bit sticky and you know, the issues with the children or the siblings and it tends to bleed into business. And until you start realizing 
just the benefits the family can bring and how you strengthen that, but also mitigate the risks that the family brings into the business. Um, when, once you get your head around that, it really sets the business up much more nicely for a long-term sustainable future. Suzanne, do you think that we actually fall into a little bit of a trap that in the early days of the family business, all is fine and rosy? We were kind of promoting this show and talking about the fact that a family business could start around the kitchen table or it could be dad in the garage inventing something. Whatever the case may be, in the early years, there's not a lot of complexity. But then a stage of growth comes, whether it's the age of the family or maybe taking the business to the next level. Are there trigger points that we should watch out for? Um, certainly when the business gets to a certain size and complexity, you have to start looking at um, how you govern the business correctly. Also, the more family members are involved in the business, the more complex it becomes. Of course, if you have two people around the kitchen table, mum and dad, dad runs one part of the business. I mean, we hear this so often, mum runs the books and then the children are still little. And at some point, of course, the children might want to be involved in that business. And then how do, how do you manage having family members in the business and having staff? How do you manage different roles for different family members? How do you manage benefits and entitlements and um, in conflict that will eventually arise with, you know, siblings being siblings in a, in a business? So um, there are these little trigger points that when you start getting more generations involved, it gets more complex. And again, the more staff you have, it gets more complex. And, um, and the staff issue is something that's common to other businesses as well. But um, but certainly the more you know people of one family group you've got involved, the more the emotional ties do come into it. Uh, those emotions, I can imagine that they're part of this <laughs> web that we're dealing with. Uh, one of the things that I guess I understand is that I've been a father with four kids and as my children have been growing up, I kind of had... Um, whether you call it expectations or dreams, but I kind of thought that they might go in certain pathways. In a family business, that's even more complex, isn't it? Because you're almost imagining the pieces of the puzzle that they all fit, and they may or may not want to fit into that puzzle. How do you prepare for that? You're sort of touching on on one of the really difficult parts um, to work with when you when I come into a family business, and that is. <sighs> One thing um, people often don't understand is that every single family member, if they've worked in the business or not, have an emotional journey that attaches to that business. So they go, they have their own story alongside the ups and downs of the business and they view it from a certain perspective. And depending on their experience with it, they might have a view that they really would like to get involved, but they want to be asked and they want to be wanted. Um, others might have this absolute desire to prove themselves to dad and so they want to be in that business, whether they're suitable or not. And so you end up with this, this real complex situation where people are in the business for all the wrong reasons or not in the business for all the wrong reasons. And what also tends to happen is that childhood is artificially um, prolonged. So when we are, you know, when we grow up outside of a family business, we we leave, and we make all the mistakes that we have to make, and we learn all the hard lessons, and we are generally managed by people who are not our family, and we we learn things in a normal way, and then we might, you know, go back into the family business. When you are in a family business and growing up in it, your father, in particular, or you, you know, your parents will see you as a child, and so you don't really get to outgrow that, and you keep being stuck in that mode and and often when the next generation feel that they can't shine and they can't really be who they want to be and they're being suppressed within that you start seeing a lot of bad behavior or what, you know, what you call it bad behavior it's just people trying to somehow take control of their life when they don't feel they actually have it so you know, i see a lot of that <laughs> 
wanting to break out of the box and be who they want to be. And, and that's understandable whether we're talking business or not. It's actually a family dynamic, but then combine it with trying to run a business and you've got quite a challenge. One of the things that we wanted to encourage people to do out of this exercise is to connect with Suzanne and her team at liquidgoldconsultants.com.au. Now, in this website, you can find information about some of the businesses that Suzanne and the team have worked with. You can go through and find out about some of the questions that often come up in the situation. So do have a look through the website. But I'm very intrigued, first of all, by this five-minute diagnostic test. Suzanne, I know it's not as simple as this, but can you describe for us, can you solve our problems in five minutes? What do we get when we click on this button? <laughs> so quite often it's, it's the old issue around, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So the five-minute diagnostic really highlights a few of the complexities that exist within the family business that most family business aren't even aware of. So by just taking that diagnostic, do you, do you get a bit of an overview of the things that you probably aren't doing and should be doing and have never thought about? And, and it also provides a bit of feedback as to where you sort of stand as far as dealing with family issues and dealing with family and business issues is concerned. And, and that sort of provides just a bit of feedback and, and some, you know, perhaps some ideas to whether you might need to start looking at managing your family in, in business a bit differently and supporting your family and business differently to what you've been doing. Uh, when you have clients coming to see you, Suzanne, where a business has got to the point where there are, let's call them growing pains of some description, do you find that it's actually the founders or the children that are initiating the conversation? Um, a bit of both, but the conversations usually are from opposite ends of the scale. Um, when it is the founding generation, it generally is a concern of the suitability of the next generation and wondering how this is going to pan out because they can see some of the conflict that exists. So that is, that is the next generation is not them. And so um, that, is a problem for them and when it's the next generation it's uh, one of two things it's one the conflict amongst, amongst the siblings or the inability to manage the business as a as a collective and the worry about how this is going to impact on their next generation or the age-old story of um, our father just will not let go and <laughs> we don't know we don't know what to do with it so um, they're the kind of scenarios that, that tend to tend to land at my doorstep. Um, in most cases, and I wish I would love to work a lot with family businesses that are proactive, that understand that to be able to manage, be a multi-generational business, to be able to, you know, change from one generation to the next a bit more smoothly does require a lot of work. And so I would love to see a lot of proactive businesses. But in most cases, do they come um, do they contact us because they have they have some some growing pains and some niggling issues? And one thing that uh, I tend to find is is underestimated is that when we're going from a in particular patriarchal to a sort of situation to a sibling team, we really are talking about a systems and cultural change. We're not just talking about an ownership change. When one person makes decisions, they tend to be a lot more opportunistic. Um, they they're very um, dictatorial. It's a system that doesn't necessarily create a lot of trust amongst the next generation, and it's very hard to sometimes follow through you know, how the decisions are being made. When you move towards a sibling team, it's a collaborative system, and you have to have trust, and you have to be able to make decisions together, and you have to be able to, you know, to trust the structure you're putting in place. And, and it's not easy to move from one to the other without a little bit of help to start creating different communication than what they've had beforehand. So, um, you know, people, I think, sometimes underestimate just what a big change it is. And we all know how difficult change is to manage. 
yeah, change in and of itself is always a challenge. Uh, let's come back to those frameworks in just a moment. I want to talk about the fact that there's probably a generational issue as well. Uh, we talked about the patriarchal aspect. I can imagine the age old, even just from a few generations ago, was father was the provider. And that's probably created a lot of family businesses that are run by dad. And he's wanting to make sure he provides for his family, but he doesn't make way for the next generation. How do you actually navigate that conversation? It must be very difficult because he's doing the, the, the wrong thing with the best of intentions, I guess. And again, it's a you know it's a societal um, um, structure as well that we've created that they've grown up with and, and are most comfortable with. What I generally tend to do is um, all I really would need from the patriarch is permission for me to work with the next generation because the reality is the impact of not doing anything is not going to affect him because dad's going to be gone when, when he dies, he's gone. So the chaos that ensues is really not uh, his concern. So, and I have that in a few cases where I'm not really spending much time at all. We don't get to see dad much in, in the meetings that we have, in the, uh, but I do spend time with the second generation to really create that foundation for the future so that they can, uh, once dad dies, we, we actually have something to move from and we're all really clear on how this is going to move forward instead of the chaos that then ensues when all of a sudden um, none of the next um, generation really are. They've never talked about it. Nobody knows how to lead. Um, you know, who is going to be the CEO? How are we going to structure our family? How are we, you know, what kind of board framework do we have? Who should be on it? So we, we cover all those questions off because it takes two or three years to really put good family and business governance structures in place before that really grips correctly. Um, so it really is a matter of saying to dad, look, it's, we don't want to change you. We don't want to want you to do anything differently. We don't, we just, you know, we just want your blessing to be able to create something that's going to survive. Otherwise, you're just creating your own worst nightmare. So let's now talk about the siblings. There they are, that lineup, whether we're talking two or four children. Is there a problem in the succession planning that they assume that the oldest gets the Guernsey? Or how do you navigate <laughs> kind of um, where the talent comes from in the succession? And if, if um, outsiders feature in this conversation, how do you navigate that as well? So this is the interesting thing because succession tends to really uh, look at only the business side of it and the functional roles within the business. And that is really if you just looked at that, if you structured your organization correctly, that would be almost easy enough to deal with. The complication comes from um, having equal shareholders on the ownership side who have to have some kind of alignment as to what this business is for them and how it's going to be run and the purpose and the why and and, and um, some of the decisions that have to be made. So in the in the lack of alignment across the ownership group, doesn't matter whether you've got good people on the business side, it's unlikely to stick. And I tend to encourage people to be a little bit more mindful of um, separating out the family from the business side and understanding that it's not necessarily who runs the businesses if, if you understand what the family business stands for if you have an alignment as an ownership group and you understand that you're all relying on that business to survive and be profitable then it's really looking across at the business and saying who are the best people to be on our board to set the best strategy for us to get the right outcomes as a family to meet our needs and then who's the best ceo to execute that strategy for us and really what happens is the board is accountable to the ownership group, the CEO is responsible to the board, and then of course the, the rest of the organizational structure happens underneath that. I tend to find by the time you've got a family aligned on, we're all equal shareholders, this is our business, we are the stewards of this for our generation and the next. We want to make sure that we look after our staff and our community and our suppliers and our clients 
let's make sure that our business runs in the best possible way and find the best people for it. By the time you go through that thought process, it becomes, you know, it's not really important anymore, whether it's the oldest one or the tallest one, or whether it's, whether it's a woman or a man, or whether it's an insider or an outsider, it is who is best suited and really creating that belonging onto in the family ownership side the belonging and the self-fulfillment doesn't live in the business and if if it is like that and we see that without that kind of framework people try to strive for fulfillment by having that having that role without understanding the responsibility that's when things start coming undone and this is unfortunately what we're seeing a lot of in this traditional succession process that family businesses are uh, sort of exposed to that it, it focuses on business structures and business processes it doesn't focus on relationships and I, I did see it in an article I think it might have been Dennis Jaffe who put it so beautifully that relationships trump process process trump structure so really what we're focused on in liquid gold is by separating family from business in in its governance structures is let's make sure the relationships are strong then we overlay that with good process and from there we find the right structure not the other way around. I can imagine at the same time, though, you're having to navigate passion and bring some humility into the situation. That's highly dependent on the people being um, collectively focused on the vision. Now, you mentioned earlier about getting frameworks and governance in place. What are some of the things that are unique to a family business that need to be introduced? Um, so the family governance framework around having a family council, family assembly, or, or some kind of um, meeting for the ownership group or for the family to be able to um, start learning together and start creating together and start creating vision together is incredibly important. If you don't have that and you end up just being caught up in um, business operation, this is sort of where te things tend to get a little bit uh, complicated and people can very quickly and easily get drawn into the, you didn't do this and why didn't you do that? Because it just becomes this here and the now and the head down kind of um, thinking and instead of looking at the, the where we come from, who are we today, where are we going? This is really where I try to get the family to, to create, to lift their vision a little bit higher. And, and what you're saying before, so, you know, what we bring into this is uh, what I often find is stepping into a family where they, you know, they love each other, you know that, um, and they have a lot of common ground, but they've lost it somehow in this, this conflict that they've found and in this discomfort that they found themselves with. So, Part of this role is to bring a lot of positivity and love into a space where there isn't much to be able to lift them into and seeing something that they can't see at the moment and from there giving them that that hope and ability to see a different pathway forward and the willingness to create something that's going to be of benefit for for generations to come really this is that concept of stewardship thinking that people can't see when they've got their head down um, in the operation and fighting over you know mean in the end like meaningless little things Suzanne, you're also involved in women and family business. Uh, tell me about that role and what it brings into both Liquid Gold and where it adds to families today. Well, it's interesting because um, part of what we talked about before around um, you know, shifting systems, we've, we've come through a significant societal change over the last 50 years. We've gone from, or actually it hasn't probably been quite that long, but we've had a patriarchal system for hundreds and hundreds of years. And with that, it, businesses and wealth go from father to the oldest son and then we know there were different structures under that around you know one goes to the army and one becomes a priest and the women marry off and this is how it works and it might not have been 
not everybody might have agreed with it or might have liked that, but it was very clear and it was transparent and there was no arguing with it. Um, what's been happening with our quest for, and thankfully, uh, equality, and we're seeing a shift towards um, wealth and businesses being given equally, so equal shares to the next generation, but women still find it very difficult to find their place within that and their voice, but women in particular are very mu much more aware of the concept of the greater good thinking and recognising that the family and business requires attention just as much as the business does. So we want to encourage the family champion, as I like to call it, to come and engage with us and uh, listen into different kind of conversations, understand this concept around legitimacy of complexity in the family business and realise that intuitively what they feel around the focus being in business alone, not being ideal, is true and correct and real and then uh, hopefully learn from that and take their family on a journey to, for example, either come to us or um, to go to an organisation like Family Business Australia to educate themselves further around how family businesses can position themselves and learn together to really survive together as a family business. Our statistics in the family transition space are very poor. Um, only 30% of family businesses make it through the second generation, only 12% make it through the third Statistically, if you look at the reasons behind it, the majority of the time it has to do with the family dynamics, the family just not being able to agree on a pathway forward in the second generation. As I said, you know, you've gone from one person to three, four, five, six, seven, you know, however many there are, and they can't find a pathway. And so the businesses break or are sold. And I just don't think that's necessary. So if we can start refocusing on relationships and putting the family alongside the business, um, and women do that particularly well, and they have a role to play in business also, uh, then I think this might be part of the key to change um, the, you know, the statistics that we're currently seeing. So I'd love to see women starting to really understand the, you know, the importance of their voice. Suzanne, this has been really informative and thank you very much for sharing openly about some of the, the options that are available. I think um, you're right, a lot of family businesses probably don't even realise the opportunities or options available to them. We'd like to encourage you to visit the team at Liquid Gold Consultants by going to their website. So that's liquidgoldconsultants.com.au, which we looked at earlier. But also, I'd encourage you to have a look and link with Suzanne on LinkedIn. Um, in the description in both Facebook and on YouTube, there is a link to Suzanne's page and you can find out more about her expertise, also about some of the articles that she's written on these topics. And I'd encourage you to read her bio. It was a very well-written bio, Suzanne. I think it gives the heart that you bring to this, this whole area. So this has been another edition of The Morning Kick, a very interesting one for anyone that's involved in family business, and we'd encourage you to make sure that you visit Liquid Gold Consultants to find out more. Well, this coming week on The Morning Kick on Thursday, we're going to be talking about all things podcasting. Now, you may have heard that podcasting is becoming one of the top tactics to use to get your expertise and your brand out into the marketplace. So we have Bronsley Vaz, and he's probably one of the top podcasters in Australia. A great deal of expertise, a lot of resources. That's all coming up on Thursday morning. Look forward to joining you again on The Morning Kick. We'll see you then.